Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 to 25. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. We have been going through the scriptures from the book of Romans the past several weeks and have been following Paul's explanation on how Christians view themselves and how they should live given the salvation and grace that they have received in Jesus Christ. There has been a lot of talk about sin, how we are freed from it, how we struggle with it, and ultimately how we need to be relieved from it, freed from it, because it leads to death. Paul has stated that because of the Spirit of God that was in Jesus and is now in us, we have a new way of living, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And this has been what we have been talking about. Today we begin right there, living by the Spirit and not by the flesh, with the understanding that we don't owe the flesh anything. When Paul says to flesh, though, I want to make clear that he is not just talking about your body, your skin, your bones. He's actually talking about all of those things the evil intentions, the evil desires, the evil tempers, the evil thoughts that are associated with our sinful nature. Those things inside of us that would want to separate us from God and keep us away from our righteousness in Christ. Paul says we don't owe that part of us anything. We really don't. That part has done nothing but bring us trouble, lead us astray, that part has done nothing but causes heartache and difficulties in our lives. That part has only served to make us selfish and self-centered. So why would you owe it anything? 
and follow its advice. Well, most of us, if we think about it, have had a friend at some point or another who got us into trouble, always gave us the worst advice, and just was always leading us astray. And you know, eventually we wised up and we decided, you know what? I'm not listening to him or her anymore. That they just don't, don't help me. And what Paul is saying is that when we come to Christ, we begin to realize that sin is not our friend. Sin is not our friend. Our flesh is not our friend. It actually leads us astray. So when it comes to sin and the flesh, it'll always pull us away from God. And we act as if we were still slaves to sin when we listen to it. We become sinful and we act like we owe the flesh something. And Paul basically says, you don't owe it anything. It has done nothing good for you, but lead you astray and away from God. So if we live as free from sin, if you and I have been redeemed from that sin, then he says we are dead to sin and alive to God and you can't continue to, to listen to the flesh. So if we are not in debt to sin, Paul says that when we are living by the Spirit, we are basically living according to God's principles. And living according to something has many implications. Think about it. You and I live by a moral and ethical code of what's right and what's wrong. For the most part, most of us agree that we don't kill, we don't steal, we don't cheat, we're not supposed to lie. These principles come from our Judeo-Christian background. They draw directly from our faith because they come from scripture. We learn about them in the Ten Commandments. So we guide ourselves not just by the laws and regulations of government and institutions, but we actually guide ourselves based on the law and the principles set forth by God in his commandments and in his word. And so when Paul says that we live by the Spirit, what he's really saying is that we guide ourselves based on Christian and godly principles, that we live by them, that when we go to take an action, we actually measure ourselves to see if these actions really represent what God would want us to do. In many ways, when we become Christian, we live in God's house as God's people and are part of God's family. Yet according to Paul, what really makes us God's children is that we are led by the Spirit of God. That being children of God is to be Spirit-led. It's for ourselves to be let go, to let go of our sin and our past lives and let the Spirit sweep us away in the direction that God would want us to go. To be a child of God is to be free from the slavery to sin and death. If you ask the average person, they would agree that slavery is bad and freedom is good. For the most part, we all agree on that. You see, the slave is afraid of his master, afraid of his wrath, afraid of doing something wrong, afraid of harsh treatment. The slave lives in fear, but to be spirit-led is to be a child of God. We are able to live a life, not in slavery to sin, but as co-heirs with Christ, 
as members of the household of God with the same benefits, duties, and responsibilities of any other child of God. Paul says that because we have not received the spirit of slavery, this is the way we should live. We have received the spirit of adoption. We have been made part of the family, and that is great news because it means we no longer need to live in fear of the wrath of God, but we can live in the grace and the knowledge that we have been forgiven and we have been redeemed. We don't fear God in the same sense that a slave fears his master, afraid of punishment, afraid of consequence, but rather we live with respect and reverence to God for being the loving heavenly father that looks after us, protects us, guides us, and is always there for us. We have received that spirit of adoption. And when we receive that spirit, it is, it is great because that spirit witnesses to our spirit that we truly are children of God. We have been chosen by God to be part of his family. And as part of the family, we go through things together. We are there for each other. If we suffer with Christ, he says, we will also be glorified with him. You see, Jesus knew that in this life we would have troubles, but he reminds us that he has overcome the world and he will be there with us to go through things together. You know, Paul himself went through a lot in his life and his ministry. If you read the book of Acts or some of his letters, you will find the long list of things that he went through from shipwrecks to getting stoned and being left for dead. Yet Paul, when he considers all of his suffering in this present time, and he considered the glory that was to come, comes to the conclusion that these two are not even worth comparing because the glory to come is that much greater, is that much better. He says, I can't even compare them. There's no comparison. This, this suffering right now is temporary. And when I consider it, it really pales in comparison to the glory to come. The Greek word for consider in this verse is not a word that refers to just thinking or pondering about things in our minds as a matter of fact, but it's actually an accounting term having to do with determining the value of assets and liabilities. So it's putting things on a balance and seeing which one weighs more. This method of accounting is what is used in businesses when accountants try to see if their assets exceed their liabilities. Because if your assets exceed your liabilities, then you're, you're ahead. You're being, you're being successful. But if you have more liabilities than assets, then you're in trouble. What Paul was saying is when he put his suffering and the glory to come on that scale, he found that it was heavily weighted on the side of the glory to come. He was saying that basically what comes next is so much better than what is happening now. And the suffering pales in comparison. And you see, we need to know this because this helps us to put things into perspective. It helps us to evaluate the ups and the downs of life that we face and realize that we do not go, need to go into despair, that we don't need, don't need to lose heart. 
to put it in our context, the present suffering we are going through with not being able to gather for worship, with people getting sick and so many dying, with all of the pandemic going on, doesn't compare to the glory that we will experience when we finally are able to gather together for worship, when we are finally able to see Jesus break through in the clouds, when the redemption of our lives and this world is truly complete. I know that one day I will not be preaching by myself with just Pete over here with me, but I will be in this sanctuary with people, several of you out there, listening to the word and rejoicing as if we were holding a great family reunion and everybody had gathered together to celebrate the unity and the bond that we have in this spirit. And that will be a glorious day. I went to sleep last night with that thought in my mind and God gave me just this beautiful dream of people in church. You know, I never thought that a dream about being in church with, with people would be so full of joy and glory. But that was the dream that I had. You see, I know that one day this hope will be realized. I know it won't be now, as we have seen the cases rise in Georgia and we have seen how things have been getting worse with the pandemic in our area. But I know and I continue to pray that one day this suffering will end and we will finally be able to be reunited as a family. Suffering, however, is not always bad. You see, sometimes it serves to draw us closer to God. I don't think I've prayed as much as I've prayed during the last three months. I've had so much time to do it, to talk to God, so much time to really ponder my life and my existence and my purpose and what God wants for my life. I've never had so much time to be brought to my knees because of the suffering of others. You see, if suffering brings us to repentance, if it brings us to a closer relationship with God, if it really draws us to a better life with Jesus, then it's leading us to new life and it's needing, leading us in the right direction. So suffering does have the potential to move us towards glory. It has the potential to lead us towards God. But it only has that potential if we don't let, let the suffering of this life and the difficulties that we will face draw us into despair. We just can't lose heart. Paul says we are not the only ones that suffer. Creation itself waits. It waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Because when that day comes, creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of God. Now think about that. Creation looks forward to the day of Jesus' appearing because it too will be redeemed. It too will be restored. In reading this the first time, I really didn't, capture the full illustration of what Paul is talking about when he talks about the creation 
groaning in labor pains. But I read it several times and I finally began to understand the illustration he is trying to get us to see. You see, when a woman enters labor, she begins to have contractions. She begins to have pain. And the pain doesn't go away permanently. It comes and goes, but it continues to intensify and get stronger. It continues to, to become more and more overbearing. And you know, as labor continues, I've been told, I've never experienced this, that the labor pains are excruciating. That it gets to the point that you just, you just want to cry or scream or or grab onto something and squeeze as hard as you can. That's why husbands try to stay a little further away when that happens. Because the pain gets so strong. But then in a moment, the baby comes. The moment of birth arrives. And that baby comes out and they finally take that baby and hand it back to its mother who places it on her chest and in that moment, all that suffering, all that pain, all that labor is put in the rear view mirror because of the joy of experiencing that new life that is in the mother's hands. And looking into that little face and being able to realize that this new life has emerged from her own body. Paul was saying, folks, it is going to get worse before it gets better. But do not be alarmed, because when it gets worse, it just means that the time of Jesus' appearing is drawing that much closer. It means that we are in labor pains for the coming of Jesus. Instead of going into despair when that happens, he said hope. Hope for that day to arrive. Hope to see the fulfillment of God's promises. Hope for our salvation to be completely realized. Look forward to that day when eternal life will begin and this life will end. Well, some in Paul's time wanted evidence that this was all going to come to pass. But as Paul thought about it, he really felt that hope that is seen is not really hope. I mean, if you already have it, you're not hoping for it. I mean, I'm not hoping for this phone. I already have it. It's already mine. But if I order a new phone and it's coming by mail and I know that the order has been placed, then I can hope for its arrival. I can hope for it to be mine. I can hope to receive it. And basically, that is what Paul is saying that we are experiencing that we have been promised salvation in Jesus Christ and the day of his appearing is coming and our hope in Jesus is guaranteed by faith. We believe God when he says he is going to save and redeem us and this creation and this world. We believe his word when he says that the righteousness of Christ will make us part of the family. Even though we have not seen it yet, we know that our salvation is coming. Even though we have not experienced the fullness of our salvation, we already live our lives as if God's kingdom was coming here on earth. And we are doing our part 
to live it out in our lives. For now, what can we do but hope? Paul says, hope and wait in patience for that day to arrive. And as we wait for the day of Jesus' appearing in the clouds, as we wait for that moment in which we will be redeemed, because we know it will come to pass, we continue to live in faith and hope, guided by the Spirit of God. This is what living by the Spirit is all about. We continue to go through this period of social distancing and isolation in the hopes that one day we will be able to gather in this sanctuary once again. We hope knowing that that day will arrive, that one day we will be able to gather as a family of God in this building and that the glory of God will fall as we celebrate our faith together. The Holy Spirit has been with us through this whole time but there's just something so special about family reunions, about getting everybody together and being able to praise God, to listen to the word, to have this altar be opened once again as a place of intercessory prayer and healing prayer for the lives of those in the family. I pray that that day arrives sooner rather than later. The, Till then, Paul tells us that the Spirit of God will continue to bear witness to our spirit that we are God's children, that God has not forsaken us, left us, or abandoned us, that we have been adopted by God's love into the family of faith, and that now we can live by the Spirit, not as those who are in debt to sin, but as those are in debt to God for his goodness and his grace and his salvation in Christ. I pray that you continue to hope and to bear through this in patience for one day it'll come to pass that it'll all be over. God bless you and have a great week.